Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Good morning, Three Circle Church. Thank you for being here. And for those online watching, welcome. Today is a day that we have mixed emotions about. Today is a day where, for adults, we're super excited we woke up. For kids, it was a different day than yesterday. Hopefully your day yesterday was an amazing day and you had great time with uh, your kids waking up or you waking up and enjoying the day and celebrating the birth of our king. If you've been with us over these last few weeks, we've talked about the Christmas story. We've talked about Jesus becoming king. We've talked about Mary. We've talked about Joseph and the angels and the shepherds and, and sweet eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus. I know he says that all the time, I have to carry on the tradition. But we've been talking about those things. So what is the one thing we've left out? 
You see it all the time. The magi, the wise men, the kings from afar. And no, they weren't firemen, like the jokes would suggest. But what we need to, to make sure that we understand is the magi and why they were important. Why does it matter that they were in Scripture? So when you think of the Magi, I want to tell you a little story of when I think of the Magi or the three kings, I think of a Christmas pageant. See, I grew up over in Mobile, and I was in the youth choir at Cottage Hill Baptist Church. And singing, and we had all of the pageantry. We had Mary and Joseph and a baby Jesus and, and all of these things that were up on the stage. And we were up in the loft, and we would sing all these fun songs. And then at some point during the, the night, the back door would open. And these three people would walk in with all these fancy garbs and this hat. And then all of a sudden, music would begin, and they would begin to sing I have seen the light. And I'm going, that is one of my favorite songs. I love that. I would sing it to the top of my lungs. But some of you may have known one of those wise men that walked through the back of that door at Cottage Hill. He's my very own doctor, Dr. Charles Kirkland. Dr. Chuck Kirkland was there, and, and he's also one of our elders. And so when I think of the wise men, I think of Chuck Kirkland singing that song, Walking Down the Aisle. And I wish I would have had a picture of it. And I looked so hard to show you a picture. But I could not find a picture of that. Now, there was one time when I was in South Florida. We were at a church there. And I know you've probably seen the pageant from First Baptist Fort Lauderdale. And their big, massive one. Well, we would have that guy that directed that come to our church in South Florida and put on a big, huge Christmas spectacular is what we called it. And we would have big camels inside. There would be camels walking down the aisle and all of that. And there would be three of them. And they would bring their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So what do you think of when you think of the Magi? What do you think of when you think of the three wise men? Well, some of you may think of something like this. This was on a church wall somewhere. And people thought that that's what they look like. There's three of them. Or what about, what about something like this? This was on a Christmas card you sent out this year. I got it in my Facebook, you know, Facebook inbox. So what about something like that? So you got three dudes on a camel. You can see they're dressed in some garb. I don't see their big headdresses, but there's the star. Or what about this? Oh. I've seen that a lot. Hey, that dude's got a feather in his hat. So you've got, you know, baby Jesus, and you've got Mary and Joseph, you got the shepherd, you got the lamb, and you got the donkey, and you got the camels. These are things that what we think about. But let's what, what, what about this one? This one you may have in your house. There's the three kings looking at sweet eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus. That's where they are right there. But if you are a parent of some toddlers or preschoolers, we once were that. And we had our very own, we had our adult, you know, manger scenes and nativity sets with, you know, sandstone and some of them were pewter. And I mean, we still have them up. We keep them up all year long. 
But if you are a parent of a preschooler, you had one of these. (laughs) This is what you had. So sweet baby Jesus in our household would get on a sit and spin and fly through the air. (laughs) Now they weren't going to do that with the nice ones. So we got them their own. Well, here's something I'm going to say to you today that may upset you a little bit. Is that the Magi were not part of the Christmas story. The Magi were not part of the Christmas story. So now I don't want you to take all your nativity sets and, and, and throw them away and all that kind of stuff. No. Here's what you could do. You could take the wise men and then put them on the other side of the house. So you have your manger set over here. And then you have the, the wise men on the other side of the house. Because they weren't quite there yet. You know, a lot of times we depict them coming to the manger. Well, so today, I'm going to take you on a journey. We're going to go on a journey with the wise men. So we're going to talk a little history. You just heard Matthew chapter 2 read. And it talked about the wise men. And it talked about, you know, where they came from afar. Not the firemen ones, but from the east. They came from the east. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of geography. So for me... This is Persia, this is Jerusalem. But for you, this is Persia, and this is Jerusalem. So I'm going to try to remember that on a map. So if you're looking at a map, you have Babylon, Persia, the Medes over here, and you have Jerusalem. You have Bethlehem, and you have Nazareth. So Nazareth is above Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Bethlehem. All right, everybody got that? So just picture that in your mind. So in Jerusalem, uh, Nazareth is a 31-hour walk. 31 hours. This is over 90 miles, 91 miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. So that's what Mary and Joseph traveled there. Bethlehem was just about five miles south of that. So they had to go through there to, to get to Bethlehem. Then you have Babylon or Persia, and that is about roughly 800 to 1,000 miles from Babylon all the way to Jerusalem. So we're going to talk a little history. So hang on. It's like drinking water from a fire hydrant. But I need to get over 400 years of information in a few sentences. So hang on. So in Jerusalem, you have the the king of Judah. So the king of Judah we're going to start with is Hezekiah. Many of you have heard the name Hezekiah, but you had King Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king. He brought in worship. He had the worship in the temples. He had all of the festivals and all of the feasts and everything that was involved in all of that. He had those in place. And then he had a son whose name was Manasseh. Some of you know where I'm going with Manasseh. Manasseh was not like his dad. Manasseh was evil. The Bible calls him pure evil. So what he did is he took everything that was holy and he separated them out. So he is a Jewish king who is taking Jesus out of everything. So as he's taking Jesus or God out of the Jewish traditions, the feast and the worship, he brought idols and everything and he desecrated the temple. He was evil. And then Manasseh had a son. So after Manasseh's gone, he had a son, and the son's name was Amon. 
Now, Amon was even worse than his dad. So you had two generations of kings that were awful. Good, bad, awful. And during those two reigns of those two kings, God says, I'm going to punish you. You have turned from me, and now I'm going to punish you. But here's the interesting thing. Is God didn't punish them right away. Because when, when Amon was gone, he had a son that took his place. The boy king, eight years old. Eight years old, he took over. And so here's the thing, is when you have uh, Josiah is the king that came in after that. Josiah, the eight-year-old king, had been raised to love God and to seek after God. God's hand was on Josiah. So in the reign of Josiah, he got rid of all of the false gods. He got rid of all of the desecration of the temple. He brought the temple back. He brought the sacrifices back. He brought all of the feasts back. He brought Passover back. All the Jewish traditions are now back into Israel. And they were worshiping the one true God. The young boys were being taught the, the scriptures. They were learning the prophecies. And the prophecies of what to come. But here's the unique little thing that I want you to grab a hold of. With why I told you all that to say this. is during the reign of Josiah. There was a young man that was growing up during that time. And he was growing in his faith. And he was growing to love God. And his name was Daniel. Daniel. You know who Daniel is. Daniel is the one that was in the lion's den. Daniel was the one that uh, the king loved. Because after the reign of Josiah, here comes the, Babylon here comes the Babylonians. <laughs> the Babylonians are coming in and they take over and they destroy Jerusalem. And then they take all the young men back to Babylon. And that's where we get Daniel, that's where we get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's where we get all of those people who grew up in the reign of Josiah under God's rule. And now Daniel, who God has rested on, is, is changing the lives of people that he comes in contact with, including the king, Nebuchadnezzar. And so it says in Daniel, I want you all to, to, to read with me, uh, but before we get there, before we get there, hang on, before we get there, let's kind of backtrack a little bit. Because what happens was, is when Daniel was in Babylon, Daniel was raised up because he interpreted dreams, God's hand was on him, and Daniel was now put in charge of the Magi. He was put in charge of the wise men. So, who... We're the Magi. Well, here's a simple answer uh, to who the Magi were. The Magi were religious priests. Now, when I say religious priests, don't think of the religion that, I, that you're thinking of that follows God. This is kind of a mixture. They are monotheistic. And this, as by some scholars said to be the beginning of 
um, the, the, the religion that is out there now, the Muslim faith, because they are monotheistic. So there is some combinations there. So there's some overlap. But that is where that religious priests come from. So they are part of that religion. They are government officials. So they advise the king on what to do and what not to do. And they were in charge of selecting kings. So part of the duties, because they were a tribe, they were a group, a people group, that as they grew up, just kind of like the tribe of Levi, they were all priests. These were a group of people that all that group of people did is they were part of the wise men. The wise men were the scientists of the day. They studied astronomy and astrology, uh, and they studied uh, how things worked, and they put religion, and they, they kept them all together. They didn't separate the religion from the science. They kept it all together. And so they were the most educated people around. So they had read the prophecies. They had read the prophecy. So you got to understand that is when Daniel took over, that's over 400 years ago. Now, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 48, Daniel says, Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. What do you think Daniel was teaching them at this point? He was a lot more wise than them because he had God. God was giving him the visions. God was giving him the interpretations of dreams. God was giving him all of what he needed to be high in the kingdom of Babylon. Not Jewish. Gentile. And so you have a God-fearing man who only listened to God. He did obey the king, but he listened to God. God had the impact on his life, and now he has the impact of those under him. And we just read, who was that? The wise man. So, as we move forward, we read them in, Lainey was amazing in reading. Love that girl. She is amazing. But as she read, she read from the book of Matthew. And as we've talked about over these last few weeks, is the book of Matthew was written to place Jesus as king. So Matthew was written to place and crown Jesus as king. But you're thinking, okay, you're in Bethlehem, you're in Jerusalem, in Galilee, there's already a king. We read it in the first chapter, or in the first verse. You know, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the time of King Herod. Well, King Herod was there. Well, King Herod, he was a a counterfeit king. He was a counterfeit king. Which means that he didn't have the power that most people thought a king should have. He was put in place... By Caesar Augustus. So Caesar was the one who selected the king. King Herod. Caesar was the one that selected the king. The king that was not real. 
the king that was fake, the king that had no power other than the region. He was kind of like a manager. So Caesar put them in, and then the Magi, who are they? The kingmakers. They are the ones that came to acknowledge the true and righteous king. So, funny thing is when the Magi were coming into Jerusalem, as it said, is the Magi had just removed their own king. The Babylonian or the Persian king, they had just removed them, so they were without a king when this happened. The Magi, from their humble abode, were sitting there. They were eating, drinking tea, talking science, and everything. And then all of a sudden, in the distance, because they studied astrology and they studied astronomy, they looked at the stars, there's something different. Could it be? Could it be? Well, they didn't really know. But you know what they decided to do? Travel over a thousand miles to find out. Are you kidding me? Man, if one store doesn't have it here, I'm not going somewhere else. <laughs> I'm like, we're just going to do without that. I'm looking at Siri. Hey, Siri, what's a, what's a re- you know, replacement for sour cream? Because I can't find it. Yesterday. So I'm going through all of these things trying to figure out, you know, why would they take off from Persia, travel over a thousand miles just to see if it was true? Because something was different. There was God involved here. The king is coming. Many of you, when you picture the body, we saw those pictures and we thought through it and there's three of them. Well, we're going to look at scripture and tell us what scripture says. Scripture says that the wise men came. It didn't say how many. So we don't know how many came. We know there were at least two because it says they. But it could have been up to 13. As oral tradition states. But nobody knows. And we're going to stick what scripture says. So we're not going to place that on them. So what we're going to say is yes, wise men came from the east. And many of the pictures that we saw up there is they were lonely. These are powerful people. They had power. They were religious leaders. They had money. Do you think they would travel alone? Absolutely not. They didn't have the same kind of food over there, so they took their chef. I would. I'd be pulling my grill. That's what I would be doing. They had armies. They had their servants, their slaves, their people who played instruments, because you got to turn, you know, he got to choose what they played as they walked. But you would think it would be a massive entourage, thousands of people coming into Jerusalem. What in the world would you think that would look like? Here is what I think it might have looked like. Y'all check it out. What's going on? 
don't know if that's what it looked like. But that put a great picture in my mind of what it could have looked like. The majesty and the announcement of, here they come, they're coming. Get out of the way. They wanted an audience with Herod. They wanted an audience with Herod. Can you imagine how Herod felt at this point? Because between the Babylonians and, 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 and Israel, or in the Roman Empire, because they are the ones that controlled Israel at this point. So you have uh, the Romans in the west, and, and, and you had the Babylonians and the Persian, the Medes in the east, and they would often fight at Jerusalem. So what was Herod thinking? They're coming to get me. Do you want to know how much power Herod had? Caesar had taken his army and sent them somewhere else to take care of some other business. So Herod didn't even have an army on hand. He's scared out of his mind. But why did the Magi come? It says right here, when they came to him, they said, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. These are Gentiles. These are Gentiles. They're not Jews. They worshiped him. They don't know the rituals. They don't know the burning of incense and the, and the, the burning of uh, sacrifices and, and all of the feasts. They don't know any of that. They worshipped him. They got down. They lowered themselves in worship. That's the whole point of the Magi. Is to choose the king and to worship him. What does that look like for us? How should we worship the risen Savior? At this point, he hadn't done anything other than be born. Miraculously, of course, God's hand was on him, but he hadn't done anything at this point. It says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, it says... On coming to the house, which means they weren't in the manger. That's another hint. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Now, who's this? Is he the one? They walked into the house, saw the child, and worshipped. They knew. I can't even imagine what that feeling would have been like. That overwhelming feeling of worship. So what does that look like for us? How should we worship a risen Savior? Our response should match the response of the Magi. They traveled over a thousand miles. They brought the three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There are some scholars and people, just like I said, you can't take things out of Scripture and make them say what you want them to say. 
We do know that it was gold, incense, or frankincense, and myrrh. But there are some that believe that gold would represent the, 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 the kingship of who Jesus is. Gold is fit for a king. And some would say that the incense that was brought would represent his deity. Of the incense burning in the temples. And then some would think that the myrrh. Myrrh was embalming fluid. Go into a baby shower to bring embalming fluid. What in the world? But you would think, of course, that would represent his death. What does scripture say about that? Nothing. But what do we know? We know that all three of those were fit for a king. So how do we worship? How do we worship the one? How do we worship the king? There are three ways that I think we can do that. And that is with our time, our talent, and our treasures. How do you spend your time? Where do you spend your time? Because you know as well as I do what you love to do and what you love and what you want to be a part of is where you'll spend your time. We give our time as an act of worship to our God. Our talent. What has God gifted you in? Some of you may not think God has gifted you in anything. But the reality of it is, is God has given you a plan and a purpose that only you could do. Do not hide it. Do not put it away. Because if you know what you ought to do and don't do it, as it says in Hebrews, or James, one of those, (laughs) then it is a sin. I promise you it's in there. So our time, our talent, and our treasure. Yes, that does mean your money. Your financial resources. Does God need your financial resources? Does God need your time? Does God need your talents? I teach my kids upstairs. No. He wants them. He wants them. He wants you to be part of what he is already doing. And how can you do that? By sacrifice. You sacrifice your time. You sacrifice embarrassment. Or being putting yourself out there. And you sacrifice your financial resources. My challenge to you today. How will you worship your king. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the magi. Thank you for history. But God, please move us to worship you.
please move us to focus on you so that we do take care of our time. We do take care of our talents. And we do take care of our treasures. And we follow you. I love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.